Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Um, not quite sure how we managed this, uh, but this is show number 50. That's like a half century. That's you know, almost as old as the country where our guest for this week is coming from. <laughs> but more on that in a minute. Uh, first off, Graham, how are you, buddy? I'm back, baby. Yeah, I'm very happy to be back on the podcast. Um, I, I missed doing it last week, although it was great to be able to just listen to the show and hear Rachel on the show being far better at podcasting than I am. It was um, it was weird to listen to one of our podcasts and it to have loads of facts and common sense in it and useful information. <laughs> I, I felt like in some way we were... <laughs> There was something missing, and then I realised what it was was bullshit. Well, <laughs> that's, well that's yeah, yeah, not the only one that noticed. I mean, I've had a few messages from listeners, and they're all saying, "Do you know? Do you want him back? Do you want him back?" And I said, "No, listeners, no. He's my buddy, <laughs> and he's on the show, and he's a permanent part of it." <laughs> I stood, I stood your ground, stood my ground. <laughs> Contractually I got, obliged. I've got your back, mate. I've got your back. Don't worry. Anyway, time to introduce uh, this week's special guest. Now, I think. I think quite a few of our listeners may have heard of this gentleman because he's making a big shouty noise on the internet at the moment, uh, not least of which with his Kickstarter project. Uh, a gentleman named Abe Fettig, who is kickstarting a product called Film Lab at the moment. Abe, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent, excellent. And just so we get the pronunciation right, what's the name of the town you're calling from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling from West Kennebunk, Maine. Excellent. Well, you are our first guest from Maine, I believe. Although, as you know, we've had plenty of guests on from the US, and uh, and we actually have plenty of listeners in the US as well. So, thank you for taking time out of an actual working day uh, to come talk to us. It's much appreciated. You are very welcome. And Maine is a lovely place. I hope you get to visit. It is kind of tucked out of the way, so. You kind of have to be heading to Maine on purpose. You'll never pass through it on the way anywhere else. Yeah, I think probably the closest I've ever got is flying over it, which I'm due to do in a couple of weeks, actually, because we have a family trip to New York coming up. But uh, I don't think, sadly, we're going to get to Maine. But uh, one day, one day, who who knows what will happen. So um, you are here to join us this evening, uh, primarily uh, to talk about Film Lab, uh, which is a project that you are kickstartering, if that's a word at the moment Works for me <laughs> and is uh well i won't say what it is why don't you tell us what it is tell us about film lab well film lab is an app that runs on smartphones for ios and android and it lets you work with film with your phone it lets you view film negatives as positives and scan film negatives and you can also open an image you've taken with a another camera, like a DSLR with a macro lens or a mirrorless with a macro lens, and it'll automatically recognize your film frames and convert them to positive. So it basically does, does a bunch of tasks that I wanted a better way to do, working with my own film, and uh, I was hoping would be useful to other film photographers too. That sounds excellent. I didn't know, actually, because I've seen the Kickstarter stuff, and maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. I didn't know that you could do that with uh, photographs you'd taken with uh, not a phone camera. I didn't know you could sort of import the photographs. Yeah, you can. And that's something that I've done, probably like like you guys and many of us have done. I've played around with all different kinds of ways of scanning and digitizing my film, including taking pictures of it with another camera and then loading them up into Lightroom or Photoshop and inverting the curves. So 
it's kind of nice to have an app do that for you. It has a little computer vision engine inside it, so it can recognize the film in your image, and it can straighten it out if it's not perfectly square, and then it can apply the right color conversion to it. That's quite impressive, actually. Cause so, so let me see that I've understood that correctly. So you point it at a, a, a strip of negs on a light table. It'll identify the edges of the pictures, um, uh, and it processes them and shows you uh, a, a, a proper color. So it inver- inverts the neg, and you get a positive image on the on the phone screen that you can then just save to your camera roll, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's actually a two-step process. It gives you a live preview when you're first looking at the negative, but then when you decide that you want to save it, it actually takes a burst of a burst of images using the raw capture that newer smartphones have, and then it tries to combine all the raw images that it took to get as much detail as possible and remove noise, and then it takes a few seconds to process them, and it gives you an output file that you can save that's yeah that's i i like that so that that must be pushing some ones and zeros around there inside the phone that sounds like quite quite a lot of calculation of work is it it is and it's really amazing how powerful phones have become um i don't think you could have done something like this a few years ago and in particular i've been thinking about this idea for a while and in doing some prototyping of it but um just in the last couple of years, both Android and Apple announced that there are operating systems that support raw capture. And so that really got me thinking about that perhaps the quality you could get out of a smartphone camera could be better than I had imagined before. Because when you're just, if you just take a picture of film with your smartphone camera and save a JPEG, it gets so much smoothing and um, other processing applied to it that you've already completely wiped out the grain, smeared a lot of the details, um, and it just doesn't look very good when you when you convert it. So having access to the raw image makes it possible for the image quality to be quite a bit better. I'm really interested, because you're saying that this is something that you've made because you were trying to solve problems that you, you, know, you were having. Like, well, I, I want this to be a thing that exists in the world. So What's your what's what's your background? What what led up to this? I mean, I'm I'm guessing you're obviously a film shooter, um, but what's your background that's given you both the desire and the skills to get to this point? Well, I got into shooting film probably about 2013. Um, I had a I had a Fuji X100 before that, so that was kind of my gateway drug to film. Yeah, I had one of those; they were great. <laughs> yeah, they were great. It was a film like digital camera and um, I had never, well, I guess maybe when I was in high school, I shot a little bit of film, but I I hadn't shot film for a long time and I was quite intimidated by it. And when I first started shooting film, I had, I think I picked up an Olympus uh, OM-1 and it just seemed like magic that it worked at all. Like when I got my first images back um, and they'd been taken without and the electricity, it was just a mechanical device with chemicals, and I just thought it was so awesome. And I'm a computer programmer. Uh, that's what I've done for, for work for close to 20 years now. Um, so maybe because I'm at the computer all day, I like to be able to really step away from it and, and not use a lot of technology when I'm doing hobbies. So I really enjoyed film and... Um, I started playing around with different ways of scanning it. I was having 
a lab do it for some of them, but of course that's quite expensive. Uh, I got myself an Epson V700 and started scanning my own film and I was pretty happy with the results from that, but I wasn't happy that I was spending a lot of time sitting at the computer scanning. And so I played with uh, a bunch of other different things and started testing out the idea of using my phone to scan my film. I had a macro lens and I was taking like multiple close-up pictures of the macro lens and then running them through image stitching software to see what kind of quality I could get out of it. So um, the idea has been like kind of slowly brewing in my mind for the last two or three years. And I finally started working on it in earnest about six months ago. It's this. What's been the biggest issue to overcome with it? Because I, from my own efforts at mucking around trying to take pictures either of um, prints or of negatives, there seems to be a few things that are tricky. I mean, the color, obviously, um, but also focusing can be very difficult on flat surfaces and the distortion that you get from the lens. I mean, what have, what have been the hardest things to to figure out in the software? All those things you have mentioned have been difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good understanding of some of the challenges that are involved. Um, it's been it's been more work than I thought it would be, um, but every challenge so far has been um, not insurmountable. I think the thing that took the longest time, which is still a work in progress, is getting the colors right on on color negative film. Um, I was, I, my first implementation was basically just recreating what I was doing in Photoshop, like invert it, tweak the curves a little bit, even out the three channels and, and call it good. But, um, I got some good encouragement from people when I, when I started posting about it on Instagram to really look into how the original darkroom process worked. So since then I've been trying to write an engine that basically simulates exactly what happens in in a color dark room. And that was a lot of learning for me because I don't actually have personal color dark room experience. So I've been reading all the spec sheets and um, it seems like a lot of the best material is in old books rather than uh, newer internet-based media. But I'm trying to understand exactly what worked in turn or exactly what would happen when you exposed, you shined light through a negative and, and added filtration in front of it. And then it got it hit some photosensitive paper and that created density in the paper and then light reflect off the paper and that creates the final image that you see. So I'm trying to emulate all of that in a software process to make images that look similar to what you would have gotten from a darkroom print. And that's still a work in progress, but the results have gotten a lot better than they were when I started. It, it must be fundamentally a difficult thing to do when the thing that you're emulating through software is something which is a craft as well as a science. Um, you know, when people were, were making prints and developing negatives, you know, it, it isn't just a case of, well, you do this every time you get exactly the same results. A certain amount of it does come down to the skill and the just, the, uh, they said, the, the craft of the individuals. And so getting that into it, as I said earlier, purely zeros and ones thing, it must be uh, tricky, to say the very <laughs> least. Right, well, probably, it's probably impossible, actually. Um, but the thing I'm trying to do um, in that regard is I'm trying to give people the an amount of manual control that makes sense. So if 
if you want automatic settings, it will certainly do that. But I'm trying to give the same kinds of manual control over things like color balance and exposure that are based on what someone would have done in a dark room so that if you want to really control the colors of your print, um, during the process of converting the negative to a positive, you can control what those settings are. And of course, you can still take the final file and post-process it if you want, but I wanted to come as close as I could to like recreating the amount of creative control someone would have had in the darkroom. That's a bold ambition. Um, so you, you said you oh, you own and have used um, the Epson V700. I mean, how how do the scans or the um, the files that you're able to get at the moment? And obviously, and this is still a work in progress. And you're in the, working towards the beta stage at the moment. Um, but how do they compare? Because I suppose most people will maybe have an idea of what they're going to get from a flatbed scanner. So it gives people a bit of a, a benchmark. Sure. I would say they're definitely not as good yet yeah. as the V700. Um, and I'm not sure where the ceiling is going to be because I still have quite a bit of work to do. Um, like you mentioned, focusing is, is another issue. And right now, um, there's still a little bit of, of room for error there or, or it's hard to know if, if you've exactly nailed focus right. Mm. So I'm still working on improving that. And I actually um, haven't really done a lot of experimenting yet to see what happens if I do use a real film holder to keep the film perfectly flat and mask it off so there's not any extra light bouncing off the lens, potentially softening things. Um, so that's one of my goals before the end of the Kickstarter campaign is to really try to do some control testing and see what the ultimate output quality that um, that I can get is. And then I'll, I'll post some side-by-side -side examples between an Epson V700 and a lab scan and and film lab. But I think in general, it's probably safe to say that you're always going to get better results with a dedicated scanner and film lab isn't really trying to replace that. No, no. I mean, this, as much as anything, the film lab seems like a really good um, option for, well, actually for a number of things. It seems like a really good choice if you just want to get quick proofs on negatives or um, you're in a, a situation where you don't have access to your normal developing stuff if you're if you're somebody who already scans negatives in but also if as quite a lot of people are you might not be necessarily a film photographer but you do have a hell of a lot of old negatives kicking around that you want to get digitized and your options with that as it currently stands are send them away to somewhere to get them done at quite large expense or buy an Epson V700, which I think still runs to about 500 pounds. I don't know how much, you know, they're, they're not cheap outgoings. Mm -hmm. um, and so for people, you know, it, it's probably not going to be the first and only choice for people who are trying to get at the moment, ultimate image quality out of every one of their negatives. But, um, but it is a very useful, a useful pocket app to have when you don't want to sit down and do that. Um, and yeah, and and I mean, for for most of us, most of our negatives we don't need ultimate image quality from. Or you know, I know when I shoot a roll, I'm not like making large prints of all the pictures that I took because I'm not anywhere near that good of a photographer. But 
it's nice to have an easier way to kind of proof all your images and then if there is those ones that you do need to have really great output from you can send it to the lab or you know use your dedicated scanner for that do you know what as somebody who does use a lab typically for scanning uh and so sort of bears that expense i can really see that actually i could see um you know because this could save me something like this could save me a lot of money um if i chose to change my workflow a little bit because i could just uh just not pay for scanning and then when when i found negs that were the that were worth it as it were you could send them off to the lab uh, for scanning or or i could have um uh, or if i if i did a lot of scanning at home uh you know you could do that sort of proofing scan using film lab and that would be good enough for most uses including i would imagine you know sort of internet posting and stuff like that and then when you really want to do something you know that that's for printing you know uh 12 inches across or something like that then then you might choose to to, to scan it on a flatbed or something do you think that would work i i do i think that's the kind of thing i hope people will be able to do with it and you know even because even if you have the lab scan i don't know how it is in the uk but here it's like you have to choose what resolution you want and to get yes. the high-res scans back costs a lot of money so yeah. you're always in this tough position where you're like do i want to pay for the high-res scans for my whole role and then i've got all these giant files taking up room on my computer or do i want to just get the low-res scans and then deal with the ones i really like later yeah, yeah. and and the other thing is is that it often costs more to have them scanned as tiff files you know without without the jpeg compression so i right. I, I typically get most of my certainly my 35 mil tends to come back to me at the moment as six megapixels uh but as a tiff file so that mm -hmm. i mean that that i that is good for anything up to about an eight by ten print and, and i don't often print bigger than eight by ten i suppose i'd have to to do something else if i wanted to print enormous stuff um uh, uh, but you know uh, as long as you can get your sort of two to three hundred dpi off of a print then I, i'm happy I, i'm not a perfectionist <laughs> this this does feel like a thing that once it's out in the wild um you will very quickly see people coming up with some great heath robinson ways of really getting the best out of it um i know you were saying earlier about trying to sort of keep light from getting in and I, I can definitely see people sort of making little shoe box covers with mounts in for their phones to plonk over the top of a light box and to get the optimum amount of it with the focusing Abe, i mean is it using autofocus or is there a fixed focus distance that you work into or how, how is that working at the moment at the moment i have it just set to use the minimum focal distance on the camera and then you manually focus by moving your phone yeah I would like to implement autofocus, but it's going to require some work um, to do that. When I first started working on it, I just turned on manual focus on the on in the API that Apple provides and said, uh, "Okay, camera, autofocus." But the results were not good enough, so I've found better results from manually focusing. But I think in the end, doing a custom implementation of autofocusing might give even better results um there's there's a lot of ways where the default settings on cameras are not designed for taking pictures of film they're designed for taking pictures of people and buildings and nature things with so, sharp edges yeah <laughs> so you have to kind of really tell it the way that it should work in this scenario to make it work properly yeah i i mean personally speaking as somebody who is often really bad at developing negatives actually having it set 
two minimum focusing distance is probably quite good because um sometimes my negatives are so poor there is no way any camera would ever find anything to focus on in there there's just not <laughs> there's just not enough contrast at any point in that picture that they're going to pick so knowing that okay i just need to get that height right and as i said before you, you could make yourself a little rig where it, it holds the camera at the perfect height above your box and you just plonk it down there and hit the button and away you go and um that could make it quite nice easy cheap setup out of um very little yeah i really want to get film lab out into people's hands during the beta and see what people come up with for those kinds of things because i'm focusing on the software and that's really what i know how to do and what i have the time to do but there's probably all kinds of interesting complementary hardware that that people will come up with that I haven't even thought of yet. And I'm looking forward to seeing and using whatever that is. Sounds good. So, so t- tell us then a little bit about the, uh, the business side of this, because you know, you, you've launched a Kickstarter, which um, I, I've always been curious about how Kickstarters work. What's, what's that, that as a process to go through? How does that feel? Uh, like most things, it was, more work than I thought it would be. Maybe that's a personality flaw of mine, but I always say that if, if we knew how hard things would be, we would never do anything. It's only our ignorance that lets us confidently move forward. And then by the time we find out how much work it is, we're, it's too late. So Kickstarter itself on the website has made it very easy to, to set up, but you still need a lot of information and you have to make a video. And that part is a lot of work. I'm not, I don't have a ton of experience in video production. Um, but then the nice thing about it for me is that this is, this is a really significant app to work on in terms of the amount of time that it's costing to finish. And I was hoping that it was going to be useful to the specific pool of users, um, the film photographers of the world who had needs like mine. And so I thought it made sense to do it as a Kickstarter because it would give the people who would ultimately be using it the chance to help make it happen more quickly. Cause if I was just working on it as a side project, it would it would probably take me quite a bit of time to get it done. And hopefully with this Kickstarter, it looks like it's going to succeed and I'll be able to just work on it as my nine to five job and uh, get it done as soon as I can. Well, I tell you what, you've certainly found, uh, you know, uh, certainly tapped into a vein of demand here somehow, because as I I look at this now, as we record uh, with 23 days to go, you've already got 894 backers. It's gone up in about the last 15 minutes since we started talking to you. And uh, you've been pledged ninety uh, percent, and no, that's not quite right. Eighty-five percent of, of your of your goal. So your your goal being twenty thousand uh, dollars, and you've now got pledged seventeen and a half thousand. So you know uh, that's a fantastic start uh, to to a Kickstarter. And you're twenty-three days to go, and you're almost there. I'm astounded by not not just the the amount of money, but I'm astounded by you know this is you've got nearly a thousand people backing this. That's awesome. It is awesome. So thank you so much to those thousand people out there. I definitely couldn't do it without you. 
yeah and i so so there you know i mean it's you know i've seen the kickstarter myself and i've watched the video and and i like what you've done with the video actually and it's um you know i can see that you know uh, I, you look at these it's so important i think isn't it on the kickstarters to to do a, a video that speaks to people and I, I quite like it and even just looking at the uh uh what is it the the freeze frame that you get before you play a video you've got a phone uh, and a crayon drawing of a heart and then a strip of negatives you know that pretty much says it to me <laughs> <laughs> that's that sums it up for me too <laughs> So, okay, so this is, so you, you mentioned there briefly about, um, you know, having the the, uh, the, the luxury or the, or the opportunity to work on this uh, full time. And, uh, you know, clearly that's where, where the Kickstarter funds come in. Um, what, what's your vision for, for the future of, of Film Lab? Well, I guess I'm not exactly sure. I, my sense is that this will probably be the kind of project where, there's more to do than I even know about right now. Like every time you open a door and get something new working, it like gives you new ideas for where you could take it from there. So I expect that I'll be working on it uh, for quite a while, but certainly it's going to be my project for the rest of this year. My goal is to get, I'm going to start getting betas out over the summer to, to backers of the Kickstarter. And then hopefully by late summer or early fall, there'll be a 1.0, release that can be up for sale on the Apple and Android app stores and then uh, hopefully lots of people can be using it and it's definitely it came from being someone who's currently shooting film and the audience that I really care most about and I'm trying to meet the needs of are people who are actively shooting film but it's been interesting how many people who don't shoot film have said to me things like, oh, I've got an envelope full of negatives that I got from my grandmother and I've never even been able to see the images on them. Or I've got a shoebox full of slides in my closet that I would love to be able to share with my family. So it may turn out that there's just quite a bit of people who have film in their life somewhere that they that they haven't been able to access digitally and, and Film Lab might be a nice tool for them too. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that. I mean, I, I've watched... Uh watch my own dad over the last few years or so he usually tends to do it in the winter because he's outdoors in the summer but he, he saves up and he gets some of the old photo albums out and he starts you know, taking uh, photographs of them and and he's got tons and tons of slides as well you know and uh yeah they, they would really benefit from uh an app like this okay so uh one of the things that we uh uh, have had some comments on from our listeners is uh, that your Kickstarter refers to uh, how people will pay for the app uh, when it's uh, when it's a, a live 1.0 product and, and beyond. And the Kickstarter suggests that you're considering a subscription model for that. Can you, can you give us a little bit of insight to you know, the uh, subscription model for it? Yes. All right, guys, I've got I have an announcement for you that has not been revealed anywhere else. So you guys are getting an exclusive on this. Oh, wow. This yeah. Okay, cool. Story. Uh, I am dropping the subscription model based on feedback from people. Oh, wow. And, and it's been, I did that because I was, I'm trying to work within the limits of app store pricing policies, which are somewhat limited in what you can do. And I had initially thought that that would be a good way to kind of let uh, the most active users support further development of the app and keep it healthy over time yep. while letting more casual users like pay less because they can only use it for a short period of time. But the feedback that I got from people was that there's a lot of people who 
are more in the middle where it's not like they're they're sitting down in one month and doing a project where they scan all their film. Scanning film is something that they do from from time to time or working with film is something that they do occasionally and they would like to own the app, but they don't want to be paying indefinitely for it uh, as a subscription, which totally makes sense. And I was glad to be able to get that, that feedback from people early. And that's one of the nice things about doing the Kickstarter is you kind of engage with your customers right from the beginning. So the new pricing plan, which I have not announced yet, but I'm going to post later today, is that uh, the app will be free to install and the, the viewer um, kind of digital loop that lets you view and inspect all your negatives uh, will work for everybody and be free. And when you install the app, it will come with a set number of scans that you can save so that you can fully try it out get output images on your phone, see what the quality is like, see if you like it. And then if you want to keep using it to do scanning, there's two options. One is you can just buy a bundle of scans with some kind of bulk pricing. So you can just buy enough to do your project um, and that will be affordable. And then the second option is I'm going to have an upgrade called Film Lab Pro where you get unlimited scans for life and um, you also get some pro level features like probably lossless TIFF output and more manual controls and the kind of things that heavy users really want. And that'll be a one-time price and it'll probably be around 30 bucks. I'm still mm-hmm. finalizing the pricing. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going to offer that. I've I found out that it's actually possible to do this through App Store pricing, but those who back the Kickstarter campaign in addition to beta access, they'll also get a super discount on the FilmLab Pro version once it, once it comes out in the App Store. So... That's my new pricing model in response to the feedback from the community, and I hope that that will work better for people. That seems totally reasonable to me. I mean, I, um, I've been kind of offline a bit over the last week, but Aid mentioned to me that oh, you know, people are pushing back against the subscription model, and I clicked through to the um, comments on the Kickstarter itself, and you know, saw people making the kind of things that we're talking about here. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I think the original subscription model, there was nothing fundamentally wrong with it at all, and I can completely understand the way you're coming from with it. Um, I think part of the problem is that we have got used to things being very cheap on the App Store, um, but I think £30... Uh, well, sorry, thirty dollars, which is well, I was going to say less than thirty pounds. I mean, it's borderline exactly the same at the moment. But um, for a piece of software like this, is absolutely perfectly reasonable. I'm sure people will complain because it's not five dollars, which is what they expect. But that's kind of not reasonable. Uh, so you, know, you just can't deal with that. But when you think about that cost versus the cost of getting hold of a scanner and getting hold of scanning software i mean that that's very good value and um yeah i'm 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 glad you've managed to get to use the feedback and i i really hope that people are more on board with this um because i think it's i do think it's perfectly reasonable i think that's that's a fair price for good quality software um that people can get an awful lot of use out of and i do understand people's aversion to subscriptions i think partly because these days we seem to be ending up subscribing to so many different things sure 
everybody's on Netflix and you know, Amazon Prime and Ad- doing Adobe. Adobe and you know, you're buying your food via subscription, you're getting your razors via subscription, you're buying everything subscription. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can understand why people um push back against it a bit although i think it did make a lot of sense yeah. but um it's great to have these new options and hopefully people will really be on board with that i think that's great yeah i mean i i agree with all of that and you know what the thing that you said which i just want to draw out um that the, within the pro version you would be able to save uh as lossless that that is i, I think that's a a, a fantastic idea the fact yeah. that you know because the you, you see that that takes it for 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 somebody who wants to adopt this in part into part of their mainstream workflow that means that you can do post-production on these scans you know uh, and and again you know that, that that's the sort of thing that takes it from from simply sort of you know facebook or instagram quality right the way through to something you might be able to print from you know get that level of detail in it so i i really like that and and i'm a great i think 30 dollars sounds perfectly reasonable for something like that you know that's um you know that 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 could be a real winner um mm, so excellent well good good strong decision and 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 well done for reacting to the feedback <laughs> well thanks I, I appreciate that you know i this is my first time doing something doing a kickstarter and there's so much information you need to publish and put out there for people and i think i did a poor job of communicating uh about about pricing i think i said on there originally, like pricing is still being determined. This is what I'm thinking now. And then, you know, when somebody writes a blog post about it and someone else writes a forum post about the blog post, the nuances definitely get get lost and and the story becomes, oh, he's definitely doing the subscription model. So uh, there's things I feel strongly about and there's other things where I'm more than happy to, to listen to feedback from the community and, and make changes on. And the pricing model is definitely one of them as long as in the end, I'm able to keep working on the app in the long term because I didn't want to be in a situation where I put version 1.0 on the app out in the app store. It made a little bit of money. There wasn't any recurring revenue from it. And then I couldn't really afford to update it again. And then as new phones come out in the future, it just doesn't make sense for me to update it. And the app is just kind of dead in the water floating out there. That wouldn't be a good outcome for me or for the users. So I wanted it to be like economically viable in the long term. Sounds perfectly fine. Yes, I mean that so many, so many apps uh, that that had real promise uh, have failed to be viable economically. And you know, as a um, yeah, I, I've I've struggled for a long time with 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 the with the concept that you can put your heart and soul into something and work on it really hard for months on end, and then all you get is is one dollar ninety nine. <laughs> you know, I think I, I think the price you're proposing there or, or thinking about say so let's not add to the uh to, to the issues that you're going to have around this i think the price that you've just mentioned there which is one of the prices that you're thinking about <laughs> just to be just <laughs> thank is, you for the disclaimer is is, is, is sounds perfectly reasonable okay I, well I, sorry i just because the thing you know what you're saying about supporting going forward because I do think that this is something that is is really important is the, is the ability to be able to continue to develop it because it, it is something that could be um, the potential for it to kind of grow obviously not not exponentially because there's a limit but um, you, of doing these bundles for people who have specific things to do I think is very smart but also maybe down the line the ability for people to scan in their negatives 
go i like that that's great hit a button and then the print turns up on their doorstep a week later from a you know a lab or something you know there's so many things because i know i know that there are apps out there that you can you know send phone photos off to so you know there's there's so many avenues that it could be tied in with and to give you the opportunity to explore these um rather than just strip mine it you know too low a value and then end up with it just being right. well this has been an unpleasant experience let's never do this again um, <laughs> yeah so hopefully that's not a, hopefully none of us are reaching that conclusion in the end <laughs> absolutely all right well just hey thank you very much uh thank you i, I wish you luck with uh, with the product and the product development and also with the kickstarter although i'm not sure you need me to wish you luck with the kickstarter <laughs> i'm going to refresh the page and see if it's gone up again no, no, still only, still only, nearly a thousand backers. <laughs> well, of course, of course, once your wildly popular podcast goes out to the world, then it's just going to explode. Well, oh, God. so thanks for having me on. Absolutely, you're, you're most welcome. Listen, uh, we're going to take a quick break now, but we've still got the rest of the show to record. It'd be great if you would stay with us. I'd love to. Okay, well, here we go then. Um, so we've talked about how we can scan our negatives, uh, our film shots. Uh, of course, we've got to do the shooting bit as well. And uh, Graham has just come back from a family weekend away. Now, I think um, we've had some feedback recently uh, from listeners saying, oh, it'd be nice if you talk about when you're going to use good cameras. <laughs> So I'm, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to ask Graham whether he was actually using some good cameras. But uh, Graham, tell us about your weekend away. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was a very um, brief, hectic weekend away. I went to a place called Centre Parks, um, which anybody in the UK will probably be familiar with. They're, they're sort of um, little woodland holiday camps. You've been more times than I have. Do you describe things better than me? <laughs> you want me to do lots... your segment for you? Okay, all right. It's, Where Graham went? <laughs> <laughs> they're like log, log cabins in the woods, lots of them. There's about like a thousand cabins. It's very nice and um they have things to do there and anyway I went to this thing with all my family. Um so that's me and my lot and my mum and my stepdad and my brother and all of his family. And it was only for a couple of days, so it's quite intensive. Um but obviously I thought, well, I'm gonna take a camera with me. And obviously if I'm gonna take a camera with me, <laughs> that means I'm gonna take some cameras with me. Um so I think I I restricted myself and I only took five. Um, so I took some of my old favorites uh, with me, which needed using up. Um, I took uh, my Olympus uh, IS-1000, the good old fugly, which I needed to finish up the roll of film for the Cheap Shots Challenge. I took my uh, Zeiss um, Super Iconta, um, my little um, medium format rangefinder which is great which i didn't take one picture with i think i put a roll of foam in that last year and i still have yet to shoot one picture on this particular roll of film um but the three cameras that i did use one of them i've used before and talked about which is that little nikon lf35f but i did also take two untried cameras which are good cameras they are they are not beer cans with holes in them you'll be very pleased to hear um the first one was one I talked about picking up a little while ago, and th that is the little Minox 35ML, um, which is the very dinky little um, pocket camera with the 
fold-out lens, um, similar kind of size and behavior to things like the Olympus XA and the Lomo LCA. Um, very cute little camera. In fact, I, I didn't use it that much because when my partner saw it, she went, oh my God, what a cute camera. Can I have that to use, please? So I just passed it on to her. Um, it's really nice. It's um, it The flap on the front that folds out to reveal the lens that then comes out feels a little bit delicate so i'm always a little bit wary when i'm using it um and when i first put batteries in it i thought it wasn't working i bought a new battery for it put it in and nothing was lighting up and i realized the problem was i'd taken um my lca when i bought it had a little plastic cover on the flash hot shoe um i don't know why but it did and because that been put away a little while ago i thought oh i'll just put that little plastic cover on the flash of the minox to protect that from all the things it also doesn't need protecting from and anyway i realized i can't remember what made me take the cover off but i realized that having the flash cover on which is only made of plastic was stopping the camera from working i have no idea why um wow. yeah really weird but obviously it was making some contact or stopping some contact um and anyway, once gone it all lit up and um i i put it it's great because it is so pocket sized the one time i did think okay i'm gonna try and use this is they have this thing at the center parts called the aerial adventure which is where some sadist has strung some incredibly <laughs> rickety rope ladders and platforms really really high up between trees um and then for fun and i hope you can see the bunny ears that i'm doing around <laughs> that word for fun you get into a harness and you go around these things and i i do not like heights and this is a singularly terrifying experience for me but i did it because um my brother peer pressured me into it so i wouldn't back down so well, okay i'm going to take this with me and try and get some pictures whilst i'm right up in the trees uh, obviously for the most part i was far too busy clinging on for grim death to even consider getting a phone out of my pocket um i think i took maybe one or two pictures whilst i was up there but not very many i don't i don't understand why this is the thing we do for entertainment Just go and do something that just scares you witless i mean it makes me think that the next thing that's going to be available at holiday camps is, is waterboarding come on be waterboarded i cannot imagine anything more terrifying let's do that for fun um you're such a big girl's blouse <laughs> i did it i got all the way around because i'm also an incredibly stubborn big girl's blouse um but yeah that that was that the other camera that i took is one that i picked up i think it's a couple of years ago now um from a local um garage sale garage sale uh in the neighboring village and this is a pentax mx um and it sat on the shelf because whilst it's a nice little camera it's an slr camera and i already had a couple of others in circulation so i've not really got around to it but i thought okay i've i've been meaning to check this out so i stuck some batteries in um and the light meter all working really nicely um the mx is a, a perfect camera for me because it is a fully manual camera the batteries just operate the light meter which i really like so it's a lot like um, my favorite and i don't know whether it's still your favorite abe the um olympus om1 uh i have actually become kind of a rangefinder guy oh really <laughs> now, what, what are you shooting <laughs> so now then 
Uh, I actually finally leveled up to a Leica M2 um, oh, very nice. in the, very in nice. the last year but i'm also uh still a fan of the uh the canon at ql 17 oh um, yeah that's that, another nice for, camera. for much less money that's a fantastic camera and i still use that quite a bit when i want to have a, a light meter and while we're talking while i'm talking about cameras uh two of the ones you mentioned that the nikon i think is is that very similar to the one touch yes it was yes, like rebranded it as the One Touch in some markets, and or the next version. I had one of those last summer. I always have a, a beach camera every summer because I go to the beach a lot, mm-hmm. and I love to have a film camera that you can just throw in your bag and not worry about it getting sand in it. It can't be a very expensive camera, and if it gets salt water or sand and it, it gets fried, it's it's not that big of a deal. And so I had a roll of slide film in there all last summer, uh, shooting film when we went to the beach, and then it was really fun at the end to to get the results back. There's a lot to be said for these little point and shoot cameras. As you said, just whether it's for a beach camera or just, uh, I think the time that I used mine whilst we were away was we went out bowling one evening and I just had it shoved in my over large pocket, it turns out. And um, I mean, what the pictures come out like, I have no idea because I was using expired, um, I can't remember what film it is, but an expired chrome film, 100 ISO chrome film, and just using your on-camera flash and just popping people right in the face with it. And then I'm going to cross-process it because I'm not going to send that off to pay for it to be developed. So, um, But there is just something fun about having a little point-and-shoot to use at times when a point-and-shoot makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that. But yeah, and you get back to this little MX. Um, I, I really like it. It's... Um, very similar in size to the Olympus. Um, a little bit heavier, a little bit chunky, but not much. Um, nice big viewfinder. That's one of the things I found about it. Ways I looked at viewfinder. Oh, it's got a capacious viewfinder, which I like. Um, the controls are really nice and easy to hand, and yeah, it's just just a really good, solid mechanical. Um, camera. I mean, I'm assuming it's all mechanical. Because I said the the bat- it functions fully without the batteries in it. So um, I'm part way through the film in that. So I've now got even more cameras with half finished rolls of film in <laughs> for me to try and get to. I never even finished clearing out the last lot. Uh, well, I'll throw it on the pile. But uh, yeah. Um, so that was my uh, that was my SLR of choice, the Pentax MX, and um, I, I really like that. It's got a nice um, 50 millimeter one seven lens on it. So Looking forward to seeing out the results like that from. So, yeah, that was my weekend of cameras aid. Mm, sounds interesting. Well, I'm glad you had a good weekend. Um, and uh, I do now have images of you now halfway up a tree with your knees knocking together, which is most amusing for such a manly fella as yourself. <laughs> I I did it. That's all that matters. I did it. I've done those. I mean, there, there, there's a big, um, not within the Centre Parks uh, centres, but you know, elsewhere around the country, there, there's a big brand now called Go Ape who do exactly the mm. same thing. Um, and uh, the, the, I've, I've done that a number of times and uh, I loved every minute of it but there you go yeah, but, but that's the thing it's fine if you're not scared of heights and there, there, ought to, there ought to be some sort of award for people who do this who clearly are scared of heights because they are being brave whereas people who aren't scared of heights are just going for a stroll around the trees at one point my, my stepdad did nearly get stuck because he's only um, a short bold Welsh fellow and on some of these things, a picture if you can, Abe, they're not just necessarily rope bridges before. Some of them are like a series of swings and you have to step from one swing to the other across. And oh, if you, my. 
Yeah, I mean, and like I said, about I don't know how high feet above the, up in a tree. Yeah, it's 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 high enough. If you fell and you can't fall, but if you did, which your brain is telling you, you definitely could. It'd be Splat City. Um, and yeah, his his legs were too short to easily reach across. And we thought, oh no, well, he's just gonna die up here. This is it for him now. He's never making it down alive. But he he did in the end. That was nice for him. <laughs> okay all right so i'm trying to t- trying to get from this whether there's anything to uh, inform my upcoming trip uh to new york which i think we've mentioned a couple of times on the show but it's getting closer and closer every week and i'm really looking forward to it because it's only about 10 days away now um and uh i uh, hmm. take five cameras that's what you should take from this age you need a camera for every occasion Something for your pocket, something for the evening, something for the daytime. It's like handbags for ladies, which is a very patronising thing to say. And I apologise to all women listening. Yeah, men can have handbags too. So no, like, I do. I do think that pocket camera is an underrated category, and that's that's one of my favourite categories of camera is um, the little camera with some kind of cover that you can put over the lens, either a flip out or sliding cover. And not no battery powered flash because that makes it a lot smaller and lighter. Mm. So like that Minox or the um, Olympus XA. I had a Minolta. I think it was called an AF2 at one point that was like that. And they're awesome because it's like 35 millimeter point and shoot. You just stick it in your back pocket. It's a great second camera or a primary camera if you you can't carry much with you. And uh, they take great pictures. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, you have you got a small pocket camera yet? Because eh? I know it's the thing you talked about last year, going, "Oh, I, I want to try and get hold of something to fit, fill this thing." And did you ever pick anything up? No, I didn't. It's um, it, yeah, I, I came into this year thinking I, I I spent too much time buying cameras and playing with cameras, and I need to actually focus on taking some photographs. Uh, and so I've I've been trying not to buy cameras, although that's not necessary. Have I bought cameras this year? I must have bought cameras this year. Anyway, never mind. Uh, but trying to buy fewer. Um, uh, I think the one I've got on order at the moment is the Reality So Subtle Pinhole. Sadly, that's not going to be around in 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 uh, time for my uh, for my trip. I did think about taking your on do because um, mm-hmm. one of the things I want to do, I, I um, on the family side of this trip, because it is a family trip, I want to I want to have a video of it. Um, you know, so um, I've just uh, recently uh, invested in uh, a little microphone that I can plug into my phone, uh, a little Rode Video Micro, uh, which you can plug into a phone and use that to do better video recording. And you can I can also plug it into my um, my Fuji digital camera. Uh, which would uh, which would, would give me um, a chance to take some uh, get some better audio on on those kind of uh, videos. So what I'm looking for is something that is is not um, I don't need the versatility of a 35 mm SLR because I'll have some sort of digital capability. So I want to do something that's a bit creative. And last time I went to New York, I shot pure 35 mm SLRs. Uh, I think I, I I'm not even sure if I took anything other than a 50 mil lens. So I want to do something different this time. So might I might take the on do. Um, I put a roll of film in the Holger yesterday, uh, and that felt good. Mm. Um, so uh, I haven't used the Holgers really. It's getting to the time of year in this country where Holgers will work better because there's enough light for them now. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, in in the winter, you've just got to put Delta 3200 in your Holger in this country and, and go yeah. out at noon. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually abe just the, the thought abe, abe mentioning having abe and aid on the same podcast is confusing my mouth um aid just mentioned yondu with your app to is there any limit to how large 
and they're you're gonna be able to get into that do you think with the minimum focusing distance no i don't think so i think um smaller negs are more problematic like to shoot 110 film you'd probably need some kind of macro lens just to fill up enough of the frame to get any kind of detail mm-hmm. but um going big you're a larger right. negative as long as you have the, a light box big enough to backlight the whole thing you i think you should be, be fine oh cool see that actually is instantly even more appealing because listeners will know one of the things i've had a real problem with is um i've got no way of dealing with large format negatives i've got a four by five camera and no way of dealing with those negatives so um if that could be something i could do that would be great um that's a really good point because that the yeah the ondu is going to spit me out some six by twelve negs um and so will the reality so tussle because i bought the six by twelve version and uh i i've had to send the the film not to my normal lab because they don't that they, they they had to that, that required a special scanning service from them their normal scanning service doesn't do that size uh and they mm. uh, i worked out something like the uh two rolls of 120 uh shot with six by 12 images so there's like six images on each film and they, they wanted something like 70 pounds just for the scanning of those or something like that <laughs> Wow. I mean, they were, they were very apologetic. They said, "No, sorry, our, our, our standard process doesn't include going up to negs that size, so we'd have to do it by hand, and that makes it much more expensive." So I had to send it to a different lab. But if I had, I don't actually own a light box, so I'm going to have to buy a light box to, to use Film Lab. But um, uh, that would allow me to to do my own scanning, wouldn't it? That would be pretty awesome. It would actually. This is giving me the idea that. Uh... I'm going to have to tell my wife that I need to buy all these esoteric cameras just to test out different film sizes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this so it's is a business just... expense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, so, format. so, yes. So uh, let's, let's hope that the, the, uh, the Kickstarter generates a few extra dollars for you then. <laughs> <laughs> no, realistically, I think probably uh, the community of beta testers will be the ones who are testing it on their X-Pans and other cool weird cameras mm. yeah well i'll make sure yes uh, I, as i said I have to to uh to buy a um a light box but yeah that sounds like a good idea for 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 testing okay all right so yeah i i'm not sure what i'm going to take on my my weekend away but i might take the on i might take the holger uh, and then coupled with some sort of digital capability to shoot videos then i'll be able to take all the snaps i want and then save the film cameras for the uh, slightly more personal shots uh, that, that don't necessarily have to be done to fit the family snapshot quota hmm. okay breaking news oh it's good to have you back on the show mate i've missed you last week <laughs> anyway breaking news okay so well tell, tell us what is the breaking news well this was pointed out to me by our good friend colin Matorn. uh he directed me to a post on petapixel um saying about the fact that the largest shareholder of impossible project uh is now also the owner of the polaroid brand um Polaroid, obviously, as everybody I'm sure who's listened to this knows, the uh, one-time producer of all the instant film, but long since defunct in that sense, and has existed as a name 
over the last few years that's been slapped on um, a few other cameras and bits and pieces. But I think it has just been the brand really and people using it on various other bits and pieces. What this means, who knows? Um, there's been lots of speculation in comment threads um, about, well, will this change anything? Um, and is it going to make any difference to the Impossible Project film? Are they going to gain access to anything that they didn't have before? Who knows? Personally, I think it's perhaps unlikely. I think it really may just come down to the fact that they will now be able to stick the name Polaroid on some of their products, which is not to be undervalued because people really know what Polaroid means. Um, whereas most non or most normal people, let's go with the word normal, most normal people don't have a clue what Impossible Project is. So um, I think it could be great for their brand awareness as long as they can um, perhaps offer a product with the Polaroid brand that has maybe some of the stability of Polaroid. Because as we talked about when we had um, uh, Brain Fart, Aid, help me out here. Who do we have on the Polaroid? Yeah, are you talking about Dave Bias? Thanks, Aid. I've been away for a week. My brain's gone to sleep. Um, you know, the Impossible Project film is not emulating Polaroid. It is a different thing which happens to use the same cameras. Um, so if they are going to start branding stuff as Polaroid, it needs to be something which is more akin to what Polaroid was. But uh, are you uh, um, an instant film shooter at all, Abe? I have not gotten into instant film, although I'm increasingly more and more fascinated by it. And I think in general, I'm really fascinated by how advanced the technology in film was and how a lot of mm. that knowledge seems to have been lost uh, as the move into digital happened. And now people are trying to rediscover it. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? To think that, that there are technologies that that we have lost from 50, 60 years ago. Um, I mean, it is amazing what um, Edwin Land was doing with that stuff. Um, and yes, the fact that now a lot of that stuff has just gone, whether it's because the uh, the details of the process have been lost or just the ability to get hold of the chemicals themselves has gone. But uh, anyway, there's not really much more to say about it than the guy who owns most of or the largest share of impossible now also owns the Polaroid brand. See if anything interesting comes from it. Maybe it will. Fingers crossed. I, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's, if, if there's any, you know, if there's really any know-how in that, that could be incredible. But I think, you know, I, I often see people referring to Instax as Polaroid. Oh, it's a Polaroid. Mm. And it's like, do you know what, if anything could, if, if anybody or anything at this point could go up against Fuji, and actually create some competition for great new products in the marketplace. Surely it's it's the skills from the Impossible Project together with the brand of Polaroid. That That's probably about the best way you could go up against Fuji at this point, isn't it? It, it is if they can make a more stable product that will appear to the, appeal to the mass market that is interested in Instax. So, um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's nice to know that the Polaroid brand is hopefully going to be linked back up with a an analog process i think that is good news it's it's nice to get it back under our wing yeah that is, that is good news and it's it's really kind of tragic how it seemed like polaroid went bankrupt at like the worst possible time as far as 
the the absolute bottom of interest in film. And if they had just hung on a little longer, they could have ridden the resurgence, but they missed it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. They yeah, they did just go the worst time, really. Another couple of years, and things might have looked at least a little bit more positive for them. But, oh, well, such is the way of things. Thank goodness that Kodak managed to cling on by the skin of their teeth. Just about, just about. Okay, so that's item of news number one. Uh, Graham, I think there are two items of news this week, are there? Uh, Well, the other one is something that uh, our um, delightful co-host from last week, Rachel, brought to our attention, um, which I think is something that's really good to get out to everybody else. Um, I don't know whether this is something they do every year. I think it is uh, Ilford, who are, I think, the biggest producer of black and white um, photographic film and papers, have once a year they take orders for ultra large format film so this is uh well obviously ultra large format and also weird shapes and sizes and they only do this once and they don't do it directly they do it through um a number of retailers um so if you want to order some film uh for some weird large format camera or just some camera that takes an unusual film size now is the time to do it uh, i think the last date for get for orders to get into ilford is the 26th of may um but most of the places that are taking the orders will need that information beforehand there are places all over the world that are doing this i think um it was first pointed out to me uh, blue moon cameras which is a place in the states um but there are labs in uh, austria belgium canada china the czech republic france germany italy japan i could go on there's lots of countries um in the uk um ag photographic is a place we've talked about before um they are people you can get your order into um amongst various others rk photographic who we saw at the um, photography show so um the key thing is if you want to get hold of this stuff do it now you because you will run out of time soon if you go to uh what's the web address hang on and go uh to www uh, actually you know just rather than giving you a dumb long web page search for ilford um ilford photo ulf 2017 you will find the the web page there detailing what they're doing and a link to a page that lists everything they've got so they've got all sorts of crazy size i'm trying to think what the big what the biggest size so you can get fp4 sheets um 20 by 24 inches that's quite large that's quite a big picture um uh delta hp5 um you can buy rolls of a 70 millimeter by 50 foot roll of uh, hp5 again this is some good big stuff um so yeah get on there find all the information needed out uh, and as it says on here place orders with your authorized dealer by friday the 26th of may um to get it this year i'm not sure when it gets delivered but uh later in the year obviously um but yeah, I know that people out there, we've got some people listening who've got some weird size cameras. So good to know. Yeah, good to know indeed. Um, I, I 
I often wonder what sort of cameras people have got. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I, I I struggle to get that that to 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 understand how people can have. I'm sure there's people who've got like circular film cameras or star shaped film or something like that. I think that I didn't realise they could do it rolls actually, because um, I thought that this this batch uh, ordering business was only about sheet film. So it's good to know that they can do uh, do rolls and seventy mil. That sounds like movie film almost. Although I guess it wouldn't go through the cameras very well, would it, without the backing on it? But yeah well i'm looking on here so they've got um 46 millimeter by 50 foot roll which is 127 size um that's unperforated um yeah i I have no idea what you i mean i guess you do use it for movies um they've got yeah 70 millimeter double perforated and unperforated and uh yeah all sorts of all sorts of cool stuff so all sorts of crazy stuff Mm, interesting things right okay so um, we are uh, taking the slightly unusual step uh, this week of combining the the news segment with the shout out segment. So it's back to you, Graham, actually, because you've got a couple of shout outs you'd like to make this week. Yeah, just a couple of quick ones. Um, well, one quick one, one not quite so quick one, because I'd hate to you know be too hasty with anything. The first one is to at Gutterman Photo on Instagram um, because he shared a picture this week of he's picked up his cheap shots camera. He's picked up a Pentax. I'm not sure what kind of Pentax it is because I couldn't quite make out. It's certainly a more recent one than my MX. Um, so I don't know if it's one of the BX range or somewhere around that. But he picked one up for um, I think about twenty quid, which is perfect. And said he's going to get out and get some shots for the cheap shots challenge which we are going to draw to a close i think next week aid we're looking at isn't it so um if you have been out taking portraits with your cheap shots challenge cameras please get on and share them either on the forums or on instagram or send us a link on twitter or wherever just make sure we get to see them by next week um that would be fantastic um i even saw that I think Cole's picked up yet another camera for his cheap shot challenge one. I think he gave up on the panoramic camera after we rubbished it, but I didn't get a chance to see what it was, so we wait with bated breath for that. The other one I want to do, and I'm just going to bring this up on my phone quickly, because um, this was something I meant to get to when we were doing our emails a couple of weeks ago, and this is uh, Instagram user at perfect is the enemy of good, and uh, he sent me a message, I think it was after Justin Quinnell's um, uh visit um and he's just saying he's just bought a noon kingston so noon is another manufacturer of pinholes of the many many pinhole manufacturers on ebay and um can't wait for it to arrive and some four by five foam pan which is the same as i've got so that's pretty good uh, i'm a secondary teacher in the uk and i built a dark room in the school cellar which has inspired quite a few pupils to get started with film photography i plan on using my pinhole beast to a get more of our junior section involved in film photography and b use the darkroom community community darkroom in salford to do gigantic prints from my four by five negatives so i just wanted to share that um because i think that's awesome um getting getting whilst they're young and getting a darkroom in a cellar at school is awesome so that is fantastic and i asked him actually because i was intrigued as to how he's developing his own stuff and uh, he's planning on doing it in trays in the dark room in total darkness which i think is incredibly brave and i would not do that <laughs> because that's trying to develop just paper in trays is enough of a hassle for me and i can do that with a red light on doing film negatives in trays would be a disaster for me so um yeah thank you very much for that that's as i said um at perfect is the enemy of good 
Good stuff. Okay. Wow. Right. So we are uh, ooh, closing in on the end of the show, I think. Um, but uh, first, Abe, uh, is there anybody you'd like to give a shout out to today? Oh my! I was I was unprepared for the shout outs. <laughs> if I had if I had to give a shout out uh, off the the top of my head, I would have to give a shout out to my lovely wife, Hannah Fettig. It was on Instagram at, at Nickbot. Uh, she's been extremely supportive as I've been working long nights on, on Film Lab trying to get it to this point. And uh, she knows what it's like because she is also a, a maker of things. She sells knitting patterns and publishes books of sweater designs and things like that. And so uh, as a family, we've gone through quite a few of her projects over the years. And now she's been supporting me through mine. So... If you're listening to this, thanks, hon. That's an awesome shout out. <laughs> that's that's the nicest shout out we've ever had. I think it's uh, it's that that's brilliant. If you and if you can uh, remember to thank your wife halfway through the project, then you're probably going to get the uh, the headspace to finish it. So that that's great. Uh, okay, all right. Now that brings us to to the end of the show, where we talk about how you can get in touch with us. Now, of course, we have Abe as our guest, and we've talked a lot about his uh, Kickstarter, but we haven't really talked about um, how you might find it, or or and we talked less about some of abe's personal work so abe um where would you like to send our listeners to on the internet to to the kickstarter and or to your to your personal work um the probably the easiest way to find the kickstarter is just to search for film lab all one word on kickstarter and then my personal instagram account is at abe fetig a-b-e-f-e-t-t-i-g and there hasn't been a lot of actual personal work shared there recently for two reasons. One, because uh, I have not given myself time to develop film, so I have many rolls of black and white film stacked up waiting to be developed. And second, I had made sort of a promise to myself that I wasn't going to pay the lab to scan my film. I was going to be eating my own dog food, as we say, in the <laughs> software industry and and only scanning with film lab. So, uh, it's actually just just recently progressed to the point where I feel like I have quality enough scans coming out of Film Lab that I can start to share them online. So once I develop my film, I will start putting some images up. Okay, that's a pretty good test, actually, uh, that, that, that you're prepared to do it yourself. So, yeah, so everybody, uh, uh, search Film Lab on Kickstarter. Um, there, there seems to be a bit of a rush on. There's another two people have backed it whilst we've been recording. So you've got 896 backers now. So, um, you know, uh, I think, uh, yeah, well, well, well on your way with 23 days left to go. Okay, so from my point of view, uh, you can get in touch with the Sunny 16 podcast on the Internet. Um as always, uh, Graham on Instagram. Well, I say as always, um, uh, Graham hasn't outsourced it for a while. So it's Graham at the moment on Instagram. Uh, it's me on Twitter. And thanks, everybody, for indulging me in my eclectic conversations that are occasionally about photography. Uh, Flickr group, Sunny 16 podcast. And we are, Graham, we're overdue, actually, a bit of a run through the Flickr group. We need to make sure we, um, we, we fix that into a show coming up soon. Uh, and then, of course, there's always the email, Sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com then there are the thanks that we like to give out every week uh thank you to chris at pixelated photographer for hosting the, the podcast and thank you to bill owens for the show notes graham we weren't able to ask you last week how you're getting on with catching up on the show notes 
Uh, I assumed that Rachel was going to get them all up to date whilst I was away. I thought I thought I'd made that clear to her. Did she not do that? <laughs> oh, I have to chase Rachel up on that one. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear! As if she didn't have enough work to do standing in for you in the first place. Right. So uh, actually, and that brings us to Rachel, because you uh, listeners, uh, the sharper eared amongst you, will notice that we have continued to use Rachel's music as our main music this week, and uh, uh, that um, I think we got some really good feedback last week actually on changing and using Rachel's music. Turns out uh, it's quite popular. So thank you uh, to the band Rocha. Uh, forgive me, Rachel, if I get that wrong. I've tried to listen to how you say it and get it right uh, it's just roha isn't it isn't it just roha no <laughs> no there's a in there roha. somewhere <laughs> is that like the minota lens uh, yeah something something <laughs> like that anyway rachel's rachel's band Rocha, uh their latest album is called promises i should have kept and you can find that uh, just by searching on amazon or on itunes it's available uh they also have a uh, twitter and facebook accounts where they are at Rocha musica uh so thank you rachel and thank you to the band uh for allowing us to to continue to use your music um and uh that means that uh actually it's time to listen to it as well uh so uh, thank you everybody we'll speak to you next week and goodbye Bye. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.